The date is January 20th, 2016. You're a Houston resident, and you watch from your television as the president takes the oath of office. As the Supreme Court Justice sits down, you watch as the newly elected president begins his inaugural address. We've come a long way as a nation, from Philadelphia, State House, to the White House. From coast to coast, we have become the most powerful nation on Earth. In honor of my election, the government is proud to announce the admission of the 1,000th state to the United States. Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Burnett, and this is our episode on how a baker's dozen of colonies turned into a global empire. The United States of America is a country that will be 250 years old in 2026. It accounts for a quarter of the world's GDP and over 3,328 million people. It is the third most populous country in the world, following China and India, with over each with over a billion people. In land area, the U.S. also ranks third, far behind Russia's 17 million square kilometers, but right behind Canada's 9.9 million and China, and in front of China's 9.6 million, with its own 9.8 million. The nation is a leader and founding member of both NATO and the UN, among other organizations. It also boasts being the oldest continuous republic in the world, and is actually the world's second oldest nation, following the Italian city-state of San Marino. It arose from being 13 coastal colonies in wilderness in 1776, to by 1900, an empire that expanded from the Atlantic to the Pacific, with enclaves in Alaska, the Pacific, and the Caribbean with military bases from China to Cuba. Often considered the most powerful nation on the face of the Earth, and after 1969, the Moon, it could have been larger. For all the nation's power, compared to other historical empires, it's not very big. When you look at the Mongol Empire, the Romans, Greeks, British, Spanish, French, French, and a number of others who ruled continents, this is how the U.S. became not just a superpower, not just a hyperpower, but almost the only power. The day is June 18th, 1815, and your name is Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte of France. You're in a city called Waterloo, south of Brussels. You barely outnumber the Belgian army, and you're about to announce your decision they will wait for the ground to dry before launching an attack. Then the spy rushes over to you. Monsieur, the British are coming. With that, you order a full attack. You crush the opposing army e easily. You're Napoleon, after all. When the British reinforcements come, they are crushed, too. You think to yourself, France is forever. Meanwhile, the Americans are midway through a war with the British, the British expected to win the Battle of Waterloo, which would have freed troops to march into Washington, D.C. triumphantly. This never happened. William Hull launched an attack at the Battle of Detroit, then moved and took control of the city of York, followed by seizing Quebec. Offshore, the Navy began to sink British ships. Britain, held up in a war with France, made peace with the U.S. and Cardiff. The U.S. annexed all British territories in North America, a harsh treaty that Britain had to keep. The Napoleonic Wars came to an end in 1818, and the U.S. was rich off of it. It wouldn't be very long before the U.S. would benefit off of someone else's demise. The Napoleonic Wars had weakened Spain extremely. 
New Spain, aka Mexico, had an independence movement in the early 1810s. But after the success of the U.S., Mexican leader Vincent Guerrero moved to join the U.S. The U.S. President James Madison's term was up, but James Monroe, his successor, was happy to help. In October 1816, U.S. forces moved into San Antonio de Bexar, annexing the region of Mexico known as the state of Tejas, later changed to Texas. Spanish forces attempted to retake the town, but U.S. forces had entrenched themselves in a mission in San Antonio de Bexar, also known as San Antonio de Valero. American troops had a habit of calling the old mission El Alamo, or the Alamo. U.S. troops successfully repelled the Spanish forces that winter. When spring came that March, they successfully marched down to Lerdo, then Monterey. U.S. forces were repelled at Monterey, but returned and crushed Spanish forces. Mexican revolutionaries seized control of Mexico City and of southern Mexico, and then the U.S. launched her Caribbean campaign in 1819. James Monroe was highly popular and re-elected after Puerto Rico and Hispaniola, Haiti elected to join the U.S. as a free state, joined the U.S. Captured. As U.S. forces continued into the Caribbean and New Granada, Spanish King Ferdinand VII refused to be the king that lost America. However, in 1821 a riot erupted in Spain, and King Ferdinand VII was deposed. Rafael de Riego was made king and granted the regions to the U.S. The United States had exploded. James Monroe lived out his presidency as one of the greatest presidents in U.S. history. In 1824, two candidates emerged. With the Democrat-Republican Party, Henry Clay emerged as a worthy candidate. The Federalist Party had been on decline for over a decade, but made a comeback in nominating Andrew Jackson for president. Clay initially had the upper hand, but Jackson had been at the Alamo and was famous for it. He had an, and he also had some rising support in Mexico. When Mexico was annexed, it had 6.52 million people living within her, enough to give her 217 seats in the House. It was split into several states, including Texas, the Yucatan, Terra Caliente, Veracruz, Mexico, and New Leon, with North California, Cal... South California, and New Mexico becoming territories. The Mexican party also formed in the election, making a strong showing with their own candidate, Guadalupe Victoria. The Electoral College is split with Upper America's 216 seats and Mexico's 118, 108 seats have to reduce the shock up to the next election. Mexico had little experience with democracy and loved Jackson, a hero of the war, who beat Clay and Victoria. Canada's 24 seats went for Clay, the more anti-expansionist. The U.S. now had a dilemma. How would they divide up the regions already received? The Northwest Ordinance had been all but null and void. And a new solution was needed. Central America, New Granada, Peru, Argentina, and Patagonia territories were created. With Cuba, Hispaniola, Puerto Rico, and Jamaica all entered as states. Quebec, Upper Canada, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, and Labrador were entered as states, with the Northeast Territory being created out of the vast Missouri all the way up to the Yukon. 
Jackson was still land-hungry, and his party, the Federalists, became known as the Expansionist Party. Brazil and Alaska were both sought after, but Brazil received priority because of the practical uses of the territory. During the Napoleonic War, the King of Portugal had stayed in Brazil, but afterward had left. A revolt started as the Brazilians not only being downgraded from an empire to a calling. Jackson made, issued a statement to the King of Portugal, who agreed to sell the province to the U.S. for $25 million U.S. dollars. The U.S. speedily bought Brazil. Alaska was also bought from Russia in 1828, late in the Jackson presidency. However, Jackson had made a misstep by deporting natives from Georgia. The Mexican states, which had half of all American population, wanted him out. The 1828 election saw a complete breakdown in the U.S. party system. The Federalists and Democratic Republicans stayed, but the Hispanic, Franco, and Lucifone parties also came around. The Hispanics nominated Guadalupe Victoria, the Francos nominated Louis, jo Louis Joseph Pampino, and the Lucifones nominated the Portuguese heir who stayed in Brazil, Dom Pedro. The Lucifones and Francos made weak showings, but the Hispanics were strong enough to throw the election to the House. The choices were Andrew Jackson, Henry Clay, and Guadalupe Victoria. Clay won the vote in the House in the fourth ballot. President Clay quickly went to work. Elected by mostly Anglos, the term referring to English-speaking Americans, Clay and Congress had passed a resolution making English the official language in the nation, which forced states such as Mexico and Brazil, as well as Quebec, to adopt English. It began to teach in all states as well as New Granada, Central America, Peru, Argentina, and Patagonia. State governments in Mexico, Quebec, and Brazil passed legislation allowing Spanish, French, and Portuguese to be spoken in their states as an official language to come to the Anglo's power. No major revolts occurred, however, because the government's documents were not affected. Clay did more as well. The Federal Infrastructure Act in 1829, created the Federal Bureau of Infrastructure, responsible for building roads, ports, bridges, and buildings across the country. Clay also began the settlement of Africa in 1830, with the New Pennsylvania, New Massachusetts, and New Virginia colonies in West Africa, extending the entire coast of Guinea. European powers began to get concerned with the gro new growth that was being seen in America. Spain, Britain, Portugal, and Russia had all lost territory. Napoleon had been defeated and exiled to St. Helena, but after a reinterpretation of the Treaty of Cardiff, America received St. Helena and Bermuda and released Napoleon back to Europe. The Franco-American alliance was born from it, and France began to become very prosperous again. The Third Coalition was born, with the Netherlands, Spain, Portugal, Prussia, Austria, and Russia her founding members, with the UK her founding leader. The UK was formed to keep Ireland in the British sphere in 1824. As American expansion continued around the world, the British feared their dominance, but none hated them more than the Spanish. The Spanish had helped the Americans in the American Revolution, and in return they lost their entire empire. Russia had a favorable relationship with America, but it was very tentative. Prussia and Austria joined as they had remembered the damage France had done a decade prior. The next piece of global imperialism would be Africa, and America already had a head start. West Africa was in American hands, and Britain saw to it that they got the east coast of Africa. This left France and the rest of the Third Coalition 
to fight out the stretch of land from the equator to the border of the British Crown Colony in South Africa. France quickly claimed Zaire. Portugal claimed Angola. Spain claimed a region known as Equatorial Guinea. And Prussia colonized Madagascar. The Ottoman Empire rivaled Britain on the east coast of Africa, claiming much of northeast Africa, stretching from Tunis to Somalia. Back in America, things were going well. The 1830s were a peaceful time for the rising global power, and explorers like Edmund Fanning had discovered islands in the Pacific, including the Hawaiian Islands, and joined the United States as a sub-sovereign state, like other states in the U.S. The British, French, and Spanish had been quick to colonize the islands of the Pacific, although America gained much of the East Pacific. The effects of the quick rise of America led to Henry Clay's popularity, although the status of Andrew Jackson and James Monroe would be boosted in the future. Most notable in the American islands was the American islands, settled by the Tahitians, but the 13 islands were given names that represented major Americans. For example, the islands were named Washington Island, Adams Island, Jefferson Island, Madison Island, Monroe Island, Jackson Island, Clay Island, Franklin Island, Columbus Island, Hamilton Island, Knox Island, Lafayette Island, and Napoleon Island. Two of the American islands were named for French leaders. Henry Clay stepped down after two terms in 1837, as was the precedent in the nation. The 1836 election was very significant. The rising star in the Federalist Party was Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Would have had much of support from the Hispanic states, 40% of the American population. The alternative offered by the Democratic Republican Party was William Henry Harrison, a veteran of the War of 1812. Santa Ana won the White House narrowly over Harrison, winning much of Latino America in the North, isolating the South. The election of a Latino president caused much unrest in the South, and, Sa and when Santa Ana announced the abolition of slavery in 1840 with compensation, nine Southern states seceded. Virginia, both Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Santa Anna personally led troops, first recapturing Tennessee and installing Samuel Houston as the military governor. Winfield Scott led troops to take Vicksburg after capturing Arkansas and Louisiana, later moving south capturing New Orleans. Meanwhile, an army, led by Zachary Taylor, took back Richmond and moved into Norfolk. Santa Anna's army began to move into Atlanta in the early 1840. In early 1840. The South finally collapsed in April 1840. The region was put into military zones, with Tennessee receiving a statehood status again. Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana was re-elected by a wide margin. This made a new marketing point for the Spanish and Portuguese politicians. However, a former Southerner who had led the, re the revolt fled to Africa, John C. Calhoun, had returned to America. When South Carolina was readmitted in 1845, Calhoun ran for president. Calhoun went up against the chosen heir of Santa Ana, Sam Houston. Houston widely won most of Latin America in the north, while Calhoun won much of the south. Houston won, but Calhoun made an impressive 43%. As the Houston presidency began, he looked to expand America's borders. In the 18, late 1840s, Russia had moved in on Ottoman Crimea. 
Britain and France intervened against Russia, and Russia was running low on money. The U.S. agreed to pay $23 million for all of Siberia and Alaska, which Russia was quick to accept. The U.S. was now in Asia, and it wasn't long before China and Japan came in conflict with the Americans. Japan felt threatened that they were being marginalized as the U.S. conquered the Pacific. Matthew Perry had been commissioned to open Edo Bay, and when Japan refused, he took over Edo. In all actuality, historians suspect Japan would have cooperated, but Perry had orders from Houston to open the port. This started a war with Japan that lasted the course of six years. Commander Perry repelled, was repelled in the Second Battle of Edo in 1851. Then American forces took Saga that fall. That The winter, like most conflicts, was peaceful. But when March came around, the American forces invaded other places like Tosa and Samutsa in the south and Hokkaido in the north. Japan fell hard in four years in Han Honshu. Finally, in 1857, the Japanese surrendered after the Third Battle of Edo and the Battle of Nagata. America annexed the archipelago completely, expanding her hold in Asia. The war lasted the bulk of the Houston presidency. In the 1856 election, the Federalists, who had dominated the White House for 30 years, were challenged by the Democratic-Republicans, the anti-imperialist party. The Federalists nominated Stephen Douglas for president. The Democratic-Republicans nominated John C. Fremont, an explorer who could win over the Latino population. At this point, though, they were 30 to 40 percent Englandized. Fremont and Douglas ran a very close race. With one state, Nuevo Leon, being so close and so crucial to determining the winner of the presidential election, a recount was issued. When the electors voted, Fremont won by a single electoral vote. This also saw several southern states voting for Jefferson Davis, who wanted to undo the Federalist reform. This would prove impossible, as now the South made up only 14 of the 75 states. Most of the new states came from Latin America. On a side note, the Anglicization of America, or the integration of America, had completely stopped. English, the original language of the United States, was being diluted by Spanish, Portuguese, and French. In the aftermath of the Japanese-American War, Jap Japanese began to be included in the delusion. The new dialect that began to form was Americanian. Americanian began to be the language of choice throughout the Americas, with the Makeup classified by letter historians as 45% English, 35% Spanish, 10% Portuguese, 5% French, 2% Japanese, and 3% other languages, such as Russian. It began to revive rival English, French, and Chinese as the most spoken languages in the world. As Fremont won the election, it began to build up U.S. relations with other nations, first and foremost being with France and Russia. Russia, although the coalition had betrayed her, Russia, although they had joined the coalition, was a weak member after its own alliance had betrayed her. Russian, French, and American leaders wanted to form their own alliance. The leaders met in Cuba to discuss the exact terms. The alliance that formed was the Council of Cuba, which instantly saw growth. 
Leaders of Prussia, Austria, and dozens of other German states merged into the German Confederation under the guidance of the Council of Cuba. The German Confederation was Im immediately joined the Council of Cuba after her 1859 merger. Otto von Bismarck was named the Emperor of the German Confederation. Italy had begun to unify as well, and joined the Council of Cuba. China joined the Council of Cuba as well. The Third Coalition began to fear a full war against the Council of Cuba, who was the most powerful alliance in the world. As the Cold War began to build up, a proxy war began in the Nordic countries. London was the first to fire a shot, making contact with Oslo and winning over the Norwegians. Norway was a key pivot point in Scandinavia as it was fought over ground between both Sweden and Denmark. Whatever alliance Norway joined would be the alliance of, of choice for Scandinavia. Quickly, Sweden and Norway joined the Third Coalition. Then, grasping for straws, Otto von Bismarck of Germany sent naval forces to impress the Danish into joining the Council of Cuba. Denmark obliged. Now, with the Scandinavian realm split between them, the alliance's Cold War continued. As the 1860s ended and 1870s began, a revolt occurred at Cambridge and Oxford universities. Communism was their ideology of choice. Queen Victoria successfully put down the revolt. At this point, Napoleon Bonaparte's son, Napoleon II, had taken over the French government. In America, a new leader had come to Washington, William Seward of New York. Seward saw room for expansion in the revolts in the English universities. He began to pay spies to start riots. As the British Empire was consumed by the riots, American vessels moved into Ireland, India, Australia, South Africa, and Scotland. Queen Victoria was then assassinated, and the English homeland fell into American hands. In a matter of months, the United States had completely conquered the British Empire. Following the fall of London, the Third Coalition and the Council of Cuba were in a mess. The Third Coalition openly called what the U.S. had done an act of war. On June 24, 1871, Spain, the Ottoman Empire, Portugal, and Norway declared war on the United States, France, Russia, Denmark, and China. The Council of Cuba quickly gained the upper hand. American General Ulysses S. Grant quickly launched a campaign on Portuguese Angola, where he moved through most of the colony quickly. Robert E. Lee did the real work. First, he moved through Morocco. He was surprised Spanish leaders... He suppressed Spanish leaders when he quickly took over Marrakesh. But as he moved toward Casablanca, he met serious opposition at the Battle of Lake, where Lee's forces came in conflict with the Spanish leaders at the Mirage al Masiria. In an attempt to win the battle, General Lee used a new tactic, loading bombs on the catapults. Different than cannons in the essence that they carried a much larger payload, these missiles destroyed the many Spanish forces, which freed Lee to march triumphantly over Casablanca. However, Lee had a few more steps before he could reach the Gibraltar. The major Moroccan city of Rabat was one, and the Moroccan city of Tangier was another. As Lee marched up the North African coast, Spaniards and Portuguese rushed to stop them. They dug in at Tamara, which, if it fell, would bring Rabatta down with her. When Lee reached Tamara, he had the summer heat against him, with many of the soldiers succumbing to heat stroke. Lee began to be, became highly fond of his troops he recruited from Africa, Central America, and South America, 
because of their resilience to harsh conditions such as the heat of Morocco. The Boyeregarag River that ran the, the north and to the east of the city became Lee's obsession with taking. In early August, a division of Lee's army ran across the field between the Atlantic Ocean and the Atlas Mountains. They made it to the mountains safely. They captured the Islamic necropolis of Chaha quickly, and then they sent boats downriver. Effect they effectively bypassed Tamara. As the division of Lee's men under General Jonathan Johnson surrounded the city, Jonathan Jackson surrounded the city, they crippled the army's defenses, but civilians marched out, albeit in ragged formation, to fight against the Americans. As the Americans pushed back, General Jackson issued an order to hold your lines like a stone wall. From then on, he became known as General Stonewall Jackson. As the Moroccans fell to American fire, Jackson moved in on all sides. The Moroccans, Spaniards, and Portuguese were surrounded. They fell, and the siege of Rabat ended on August 8th. As the Americans advanced to Tangier, Spanish and Portuguese fled before them, hoping to build up a defense at Gibraltar, at Gibraltar. In the meantime, General Ulysses S. Grant had been redeployed. He had landed in Jerusalem, which had fallen into American hands by vigilante forces almost immediately. Grant mustered what troops were not being sent to Morocco to and to occupy Angola, which was around 100,000 men. He first began his march to seize Damascus. He encountered a few problems with this plan. Damascus was inland, and without supply lines, this would be very difficult. Grant marched up the coast of the Holy Land without opposition until the Ottomans met him at the battle south of Tyre. As the battle began, Grant heard rumors of a strategy being used by General Lee and Jackson in Morocco. Tyre was a peninsula, and if they could trap the Ottomans in the inner city, they could wipe out the army. Unlike the Ottomans, the Ottomans too had heard of the strategy and issued a counter-strategy. Strategy. Unlike Rabat, no major mountains stood in the way of the Ottomans. The Ottomans deployed a small force to the city of Tyre herself, and a larger force to flank and cut off the supply lines. As Grant began out the to battle for the city, he was quickly trapped by the smaller Ottoman force. However, once he had the surrender of the smaller Ottoman force, the larger force had trapped Grant on the eighty-five. Had trapped Grant on the eighty-five of the ninety degree necessary. Grant saw his supply lines were at risk and he needed to break the lines of the Ottomans. He decided the best place to do this would be a three-pronged attack. The first would retreat south and preserve the supply lines there. The second would go south-southeast and make open a second way. The third would attack first and attempt to break the line in a northeast direction. As the attack would begin on September 10th, a fog rolled in from the Mediterranean. Grant's army was able to break the Ottoman lines in three spots. The southern forces and eastern forces surrendered the evening of September 10th. Then Grant turned northward, where he had the Ottomans running. They made it to Sidon, but were quickly destroyed by Grant's army. The Ottoman forces had suffered 65,000 casualties in the Battle of Tyre and Sidon, 
while the Americans only suffered 3,000. Grant continued to Damascus as the Ottomans scrambled to secure themselves in the Anatolian Peninsula. The final theater of the 1871 conflict was in the Balkans. Ignacio Zagarzarosa was a Latin American born in Texas. His force of 85,000 landed in Jars in June. There, Hugh was told he would have to battle his way into several targets. These targets included Tirana, Athens, and Istanbul, and they were all crucial to an American victory in the war. Zagarzarosa was first challenge was the Battle of the Albanian Pass, where Zagarzarosa had to cross a mountain pass to capture Tirana, a central city, in order to gain control of Albania. He flanked with his left and his right, creating a U-shaped line. Once he was sure he got the Ottoman defense entirely within the U, he closed it and fired on the inside. The Albanian defense force was 75,000 was 150,000 strong. Zagarzarosa destroyed over four-fifths of the force in the Battle of the Albanian Pass. He quickly captured Tirana when he was told that he would not be responsible for the capture of Athens. General Diaz of Oraxa, split from the state of Mexico in the 1860s, would be responsible for that. General Diaz quickly captured the lightly guarded city while Zagarzarosa crossed through Macedonia. The Ottomans were now scrambling. They had held Istanbul since 1453 and would not lose it now, but they had to have extreme caution. General Grant was approaching from the south, and now with Zagarzarosa, they were in a double threat. Any other northern territory was also threatened by the Russians. The American army had to stop Thessaloniki to the rest of the winter had to stop at Thessaloniki to, for the rest of the winter winter back in Morocco generally would enjoy the long summer and regions like Morocco as generally would learn were ideal for winter combat his army moved northward in hopes to intercept the Spaniards it wasn't until the Spaniards attempted to cross the Strait of Gibraltar did they intercept the army they massacred the army at Tangier. When Lee, when Lee crossed the Strait of Gibraltar, he sent two landing forces. One landed west in Pedro Valiente, and he sent the other one to land east at Gibraltar. Lee led the western forces to launch an attack on Seville. The east, led by Stonewall Jackson, attacked Malaga. The Spanish and Portuguese put up one final defense at Cordoba. The city was blocked by mountains, but if it fell, Madrid and Lisbon would be in the grasp of the Americans, and the rest of the Iberian Peninsula would fall soon after. The French had also led an attack that, cap that captured Barcelona. London had broken free and was independent again, but on Spanish support. The Ottomans and Portugal were also on Spanish support. The The entire Third Coalition was supported by Spain. Norway and Sweden had surrendered and were annexed into a united Denmark and Russia. The Battle of Cordoba began, and the Americans built a fortress out of Medina Azharja, the former Islamic capital of the region. The Spanish thawed themselves in the Mosque Cathedral of Cordoba. 
The armies attacked each other on the fields outside Cordoba. The American army had a trick up their sleeves. They had used landmines on the field of battle and sent the Spanish flying. The Spanish surrendered after the battle. The war fell apart after. The leaders of the Council of Cuba and of the Third Coalition met in Monaco to plan peace. Sweden and Norway were annexed by Denmark and Russia, who would merge into the Nordic Empire. Germany and France would get paid millions of dollars in the war for their support. America would annex all of Africa as well as the Middle East. America would also get control of the Balkans and Iberia. The Council of Cuba was dissolved as well. Nations around the world feared the United States. Pax Hispanica and Pax Britannica had come to an end, and the reign of America over the planet had begun. France, Germany, the Nordic Empire, China, and Italy cowered in fear of the United States, whose empire stretched across the planet. The five powers against America was the final alliance on Earth. The FPAA's goals were to prevent the U.S. from conquering the entire planet. The Netherlands and Belgium soon joined the FPAA, making it the SPAA. America gave little attention to the SPAA. As far as they concerned, this was Pax Americana. The American president during the war, William H. Seward, was the most powerful man in the world and had his choice of a successor to this position. He chose Hannibal Hamlin. Hamlin led the U.S. to integrate her British provinces and to make... Americanian, the dominant language in Africa and Oceania. He saw the admittance of Liberia as a state, formerly called New Pennsylvania, and it was the first state in Africa, and the greater Yukon, the final state in North America, compromising much in the northern parts of Canada as well as Russian Alaska. The U.S. also issued a plan to fight the entirety of the rest of the world, who really stood no chance. In the Hamlin presidency, the admission of Liberia was perhaps his greatest achievement, with the number of U.S. states reaching 250, many through Latin American splits that had been split. The first Trans-American Railroad, built in Juneau, the, in Greater Yukon, went all the way down to Comodoro Rivera, Patagonia. Hamlin operated the ribbon-cutting in San Antonio. Hamlin also orchestrated the construction of the Panama Canal, which would make trade in the Americas much easier. A new era fell upon the Americas after the Hamlin administration. The Golden Age was a period of American politics known for economic peace and political standstill. Grant and Lee had both served as presidents, as well as various progressive politicians. Then claims, then came the election of 1904, when Teddy Roosevelt revived the American imperialism, forcing it off of hiatus. He began to make claims in Central Asia, isolating the Chinese and European branches of the SPAA. Then an event shocked the world. George Tudor IV came out of hiding in Antwerp and claimed all of the former British Empire. Roosevelt sent in troops to take care of George at this point. England, Wales, Scotland, Leinster, Munster, Connaught, and Ulster had all been made states, and there were rising politicians from these various states, including Winston Churchill. 
The SPAA recognized George Tudor IV as the Regan monarch of the British Empire, which, if revived, would be a massive blow to the United States and could cause the U.S. to lose her grip on Africa and Oceania. The U.S. took the SPAA's action as an act of war. Roosevelt convinced, convinced Congress to declare war on the SPAA. The SPAA acted first, launching an invasion of the British Isles. The Battle of London was still a U.S. victory. Nelson A. Miles orchestrated an attack on France, invading south from Iberia. Meanwhile, George Dewey blockaded China, while the Japanese and Indian land forces crushed China. With the fall of China, the Nordic Empire surrendered. Germany, France, and the Netherlands fell soon after. Italy was the last non-American piece of real estate on Earth. Then Teddy Roosevelt issued Operation Overlord, where a massive invasion of Italy would crush the last remnant of the Old World. The U.S. invaded the country and had an almost complete victory. No treaty was needed. The U.S. was the last government on Earth. However, she still had a long way to go. Roosevelt's policies of progressivism were still very new and revolutionary. American science had grown by leaps and bounds, and Roosevelt signed into law the 18th Amendment, allowing everyone over the 18 to have the right to vote. When American researchers discovered the research of Marie Curie in France, they funded her. When Roosevelt left office in 1912, his successor was Winston Churchill, the first European to serve as the President of the United States. The U.S. grew in power and might, and the next place for American imperialism seemed obvious, the moon. Science fiction theorized the settlement of space and became very popular. In the 1820s and 1830s, the HSA was created, and they had a goal to put a man on the moon by 1950. Technology advanced quickly in the early years of the 20th century, but there were problems, especially one that threatened to tear America apart. Novus Ordo Roma Communistarium, or the Communist Order of New Rome, was an organization that wanted to re reform the Roman Empire under the ideological grounds of communism. The Roman Revolution started in 1929, with the chapters of the secret organization overthrowing the state of Middle Italy. Soon, the Mediterranean and Europe were in full revolt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president at this time, mobilized troops. The 1929 revolutions caused the global stock markets to collapse, and this led to communist revolts spreading to China and Brazil. FDR commissioned White D. Eisenhower to organize a counteroffensive. He started by capturing Rio de Janeiro from the rebels. Then he had his various subordinates capture Shanghai, China. The revolts there collapsed as they had been very weak in the first place. However, Novus Ordo Roma Calimistan was far more organized. A chapter in Washington, D.C. assassinated FDR, and John Nance Gardner took over the presidency. Gardner, of course, banned Novus Ordo Roma Communistatorium and sent in local police and the National Guard throughout the country. Then Eisenhower retook London, recapturing England. The NORC was weak in these regions, but had a strong foothold in, in the Mediterranean and on the European continent. Eisenhower created a plan. He would send troops to invade Russia and blockade the African and Middle Eastern regions. 
those were where the NORC was weakest. Once those collapsed in 1931, he invaded the Balkans and Iberia, who collapsed. France and Italy remained. Eisenhower used a new strategy that was unable to be used in previous wars, the steamroller, to mow down troops in France. As he turned the tanks that were steamrollers into Italy, the NORC set up one final defense in Rome. The Pope, however, effectively ended the NORC by calling it an organization and an ideology from out of the pit of eternal inferno. The few remaining NORC forces drew in U.S. forces. Then a single one of them stole a secret U.S. weapon, a nuclear device capable of destroying a city. They dropped it on New York. U.S. forces responded by nuking Rome. The Second American Civil War went to the moon and Mars. The Second American Civil War was hurtful, but the U.S. had recovered fully by 1939, except, of course, New York City and Rome, which still have scars. From 1939 onward, the U.S. went to the moon and Mars, settling both. A small rebellion would come, but they would be put down. In the 2000s, the U.S. began to settle Antarctica. In 2016, Antarctica was admitted as the 1,000th state, with 985 states on Earth, seven states on the moon, and eight on Mars. American dominance remains, but, like Rome, all empires fall, and the current government is trying to prevent that from happening. Freedom has been maintained, and many attribute this to American success. This has been an episode of Imagine If, where we explored a possible way history may have ended up. I'm your host, Brody Burton. This podcast is a work of fiction. All people, places, and events mentioned are fictional and or incidental. This content does not necessarily reflect the opinions of myself, any associated with the production of Imaginif, or any person mentioned. If you enjoyed today's show, I invite you to subscribe to Imaginif on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this now.